So does it feel a little weird to any other Gators fans that like Florida plays this weekend, but it's Friday and then like tomorrow is not game day. We're going to talk about the game on Locked On Gators. You are Locked On Gators, your daily podcast on the Florida Gators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Locked On Gators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Gators your first listen of the day. We are available daily and free wherever you listen to podcasts. Happy Friday. I'm Brandon Olson. Find me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Find my written work with Whole Nine Sports and Giants Country of SI.com. Also, going to say if you were affected at all by Hurricane Ian, I, I hope that. You are doing well now or about as good as you could do. Today's episode of Locked on Gators is brought to you by Underdog. Sign up on the underdogfantasy.com app with promo code Locked On and get your first deposit doubled up to $100. That's that's big money there. I'm just letting you know. You're scared money, don't make money. That's, that's what you got to do there. We're talking about this Florida Gators versus Eastern Washington game right now. We're going to talk about the depth chart and later on and what we want to see from or what we want to gain from this game, I guess. But when you talk about this game, just know that on offense, Eastern Washington, I mean, Coach Best was here yesterday, you know, and he he openly said it. They love to go up-tempo. They don't go as fast or as quick as the Florida Gators offense does when they go up-tempo, but Eastern Washington loves to go up-tempo. That's something you're going to see. You're going to see a very fast-paced game this Sunday where you could see each team get, 60 to 70 plays just because they're going to be out there so often. Obviously, we would like to see Florida out there more often, but at a certain point, Eastern Washington's offense is likely going to get rolling at least a little bit, and we'll see what happens at that point. Also know that on offense, they love to throw the ball. Like, like Eastern Washington loves throwing the football, which I even talked about yesterday with Coach Bess. Like, it's a little weird because uh, he's an offensive line coach, and or he was an offensive line coach. He's obviously not the head coach. And they tend to love running the ball, but Eastern Washington throws the ball so much. Uh, Gunnar Talkington, he's done his job very well. Uh, 65% of his passes are within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. So they're either behind the line of scrimmage or 10 yards or shorter down the line of scrimmage. So this is going to be a very underneath heavy game, which is interesting because we'll see you know, just how much of it is going to be near uh, linebackers or safeties. We know that we saw last week against Tennessee, there was one play, the third and 10, that uh, Tennessee converted. Looked like the Gators were in uh, cover three buzz, which is a safety underneath, a linebacker underneath, and those are your kind of two hook defenders there. And, And that's what we saw from this Gators team, where I would expect to see that as well, especially with Kamari Wilson, I get that we will see him play deep safety a little bit and kind of see how he'll work deep in coverage, but we will also see him underneath and kind of watch him or kind of keep him close to the line of scrimmage because he has excelled near the line of scrimmage. So I'm interested to see what happens there. There's going to be a lot of work over the middle. Uh, 28% of Eastern Washington's pass attempts have been over the middle and between 0 to 10 yards downfield. That's a lot over the middle. Expect to see cover two from the Florida Gators, which we haven't really seen from them this year often, but expect to see that 
quite a bit. Expect to see more quarters and, and just watch a lot of underneath work from the Gators because, I mean, you, you have to take away where Eastern Washington wants to throw the ball, right? Um, and, and that's kind of the approach you got to take here. It's just, I will say this. Offensively, I think that Eastern Washington, they're pretty solid. Um, but it's not going to be a good day for them. I want to say that. Uh, defensively, they're bad. Um, we, we can say that, that they're pretty bad. I know that I shared a clip on Twitter uh, on Wednesday night of Eastern Washington biting so hard on an RPO that it was just an easy touchdown for, I think it was Montana State in last week's game uh, between Eastern Washington and Montana State. So there there was that. But uh, yeah, their, their defense... Not great, Bob. Um, and like that's not surprising if you know anything about FCS football, which I don't really expect you to. Um, but Eastern Washington's kind of like the Oklahoma of the FCS. They're usually a very good team near that top of the rankings. Um, they love throwing the ball. Like I mentioned, they love airing this ball out. They're a very fun offense to watch. If, you're, if we're going to be honest and you watch them play, uh, a, a team of their caliber, they look very good. It's literally just, you know, one game this year was against Oregon, and then now they have Florida, and, and so they don't look as good as they probably should. But th- they're still a good team. They've been consistently good, but they love airing the ball out. And their defense, pretty lackluster consistently. Like, like that's what they tend to do, and that happens a lot with the FCS schools where you're really good on offense, you're really good on defense, but you're usually not really good on both. Uh, and, and that's what we're looking at here too. I will say that this is going to be an interesting test for this secondary, because for the Florida Gators secondary, because you're going to face a team that wants to throw the ball a ton. You just did against Tennessee. And Tennessee kind of torched for, again, I will say communication errors. I get it who everybody wants to blame, there were communication errors throughout. And and that's been the most frustrating part for me because it's never been, or it's rarely been, oh, this this corner got beat just in coverage. It's always this corner is playing man or this safety is playing man or this linebacker is playing man when you're supposed to be in cover three. Um, and that's that's been the most frustrating part about those big plays for me is that it's just always been communication errors somewhere along the grapevine. Uh, and, and that's, that's killer. So I'm interested to see with Jaden Hill stepping into the starting role with uh, Kamari Wilson starting at safety for the injured trading. I'm interested to see what will happen in that co- in the secondary coverage wise. We're about to take a look at the most recent depth chart changes, which I know Florida Gators fans have been going nuts over. But first, we're going to talk about Underdog Fantasy because this episode is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy, and it's the easiest place to spice up the college football season. It's easy to play and win cold, hard cash in a single game. I know last week I said I was going to take Montreal Johnson, but I decided not to because I was like, you know what? This is probably going to be a shootout, so Florida's going to throw the ball. So I took Justin Shorter's receptions and receiving yards and um, money. Like that's, that's the only way I could put it for you. Money. So, Underdog, you have been so kind to me. Thank you very much. And it's fun because it's it's a fantasy platform that has a fun user experience. I will always, always, always say that I love their little share feature and how the screenshot looks. Something about it 
It's just so aesthetically pleasing to me. So I love it. And their support team has been awesome. Sign up with the promo code locked on and underdog will double your first deposit up to a hundred dollars. You deposit a hundred dollars and you get another one hundred dollars free with promo code locked on. Thanks for making Locked Navigators your first listen of the day every day. We are available daily and free wherever you listen to podcasts. And now we are going to talk about this depth chart. Um I am going to be respectful about it, but I am also going to be honest about it. And obviously we're talking about trading here. Um, trading not starting because he is listed as out with a lower body injury. I know that Twitter and forums have kind of gone a little nuts with, is it an injury? Is it a suspension? Has he quit the team? Has he got kicked off the team? Has he done this? Has he done that? Um, I'm not going to necessarily engage in them. I will say I have asked around. I have been told that it is an injury. Um, I, I, I asked people in the program and I was told it is an injury. It is also something that has been explained to me by some people that it's an injury that trading has been dealing with all season. Uh, and that the staff is kind of just like, it's Eastern Washington. We should win this game. Uh, let, let's use it as a rest week for him, essentially. is That's what I've been told. Um, whether or not that's accurate, I don't know. It's the same person that told me Jaden Hill would get the starting spot this week over Avery Helm. So, I mean, they were right at least once, right? Uh, so, so I will continue to say that, you know, that's what I was told. And until I'm told it's wrong, that's what I'm going to believe. Uh that, that's that's how I'm going. And, you know, other media members can get the information they get and go with that information. And that's totally fine. Um, I don't necessarily care about being like, well, I was right. You're right. I don't. That means nothing to me. Um, I just want to see how it works out in the long run for the Gators. Uh, I will also say this coaching staff to me just doesn't seem like the type that would use an injury and as in place of a suspension. Um, I know that I believe it was Nick De La Torre was the one that said like he was told that it's not an injury and it's not a suspension, which people can speculate, whatever that means. Um, but to, I don't know. It's just like this coaching staff has been so consistent with accountability that it's, I don't get why they would use an injury as a – or why they would say injury as a suspension or as a benching. Um that that just doesn't make sense to me, uh, or whatever it might be. It's like like Billy Napier has kicked people off the team before. He's benched people, so I don't know why trading would be the the outlier. There um, is my point that that it's a little weird to me. But here's the thing. Also, either way you want to talk about it, whether he is injured or isn't injured. Again, I've been told he is injured, and it's something that he's been dealing with. I don't I, I care about the injury. Um I don't think it's impacted his play much. Because Trey Dean physically hasn't looked bad. Um and by that I mean like yes, when you watch tape, his physical body, like he looks like he's playing poorly. But it's been the result of mental errors for the huge majority of this. Um I've been told again that yes, there is an injury. I've been told what the injury reportedly is. Uh, I'm not going to talk about that because I feel like that's something where 
you know, if, if people want it out, they'll want it out, but I'm not going to be the one to, to put it out there. Um, and there's just nothing on tape that tells me this injury is hampering him that much because it's been mental errors. It's been miscommunications. I've talked about this all season. It feels like miscommunications have been the biggest flaw in defense, not Trey Dean messed up, not Avery Helm messed up, not Jason Marshall Jr. messed up, not Rashad Torrance messed up, not Shamar James messed up, not Amari Bernie messed up. It's been a collective effort to consistently screw up these communications. That's been the issue. So that, that's where I'm like, you know what? Yeah, he, he could be injured. And again, I've been told he's injured, so I'm going to take the approach that he is injured. But the injury is not the reason that he's not communicating well enough or that anybody else isn't communicating well enough to him. It's not the injury there. That That's just straight up, they are not communicating enough. I don't, I, I, again, I care about the injury. I want him to be healthy, but I don't care about using the injury as that's why he played poorly. That just doesn't work for me. So that, that's, that's what I'm saying is, is my issue. The injury, it sucks for him. I hope he recovers, but that has not been the Achilles heel of the Florida Gators defense. Simple as that. Uh, Jaden Hill got the start in the secondary. I have no idea how much he's going to play in his first game back. It's his first game playing since, I believe, the 2020 bowl game against Oklahoma. Um, so I have no idea if he's going to be on a snap count or pitch count, if you want to call it that. Um, I have no idea if he's going to be on a count like that. We'll see what it is. Uh, I am interested to see how that works out. I'm interested to see how just rotations in general work out at cornerback. Um I, I think that we see a lot of rotations in the secondary, especially against Eastern Washington, as kind of a way to be like, okay, well, we still want to get Jalen Kimber involved. Um, I know that in one of the Discord servers I'm in, the Florida Gator subreddit one, uh, they were talking about, you know, Jalen Kimber's got a messed up hand and he's given up big plays. He hasn't really given up big plays. He And the big plays he has given up, he lost. Like he lost the 50-50 ball against Kentucky. That's better than a miscommunication blowing coverage. So I'm I like that's that is what it is there. Um, the hand looked like it was bothering him earlier in the season. South Florida balled out, had the, I mean, not game winning pick obviously, but the Gators lose that game if he doesn't get that pick six. So there's that. Uh, I I want to see him on the field, and I'm not the biggest Jalen Kimber supporter, but I acknowledge he deserves to be on that football field. Also, Justice Boone put in the starting lineup at defensive end, replacing Princely Umanmialin. Um, I'm happy with it. I love Princely. I've, I've very openly been a big fan of Princely's game. But even this past Tuesday, I was on Lockdown Gators. And how, do you, how do you fix this Florida Gators defense? One of the ways is being more active up front. And I specifically said Princely Umanmialin has not been nearly as active as he needs to be. Once an offensive lineman like Gerald Mincy got their hands on him, he was pretty much neutralized. You can't have that happen. Uh, that's that's just not acceptable. So I understand this move. I understand this change. We'll see uh, long term what happens. We'll see. You know, Justice Boone should have a great game against Eastern Washington, but I imagine he's getting at least two starts because again, this game is going to be hard to evaluate, especially up front where even if you don't want to be. Um, physically super active, you should be physically dominant because, I mean, Coach Aaron Best, Eastern Washington's head coach with me yesterday, said, you know, they're the big sky. Florida's the SEC. 
Florida's just got bigger, stronger, faster, and better players. They should win. Even if there are miscommunication errors, the Florida Gators should win. So I think you got to give Justice Boone at least two starts and say, what are you going to show us in this game? Unless they're using this as, you know, we're giving Justice Boone this opportunity. If he doesn't show up the way you want him to, then Princely will be back in. I feel like they kind of did that with uh, Scooby Williams when Ventrell missed the South Florida game. There, Billy Napier was like, this is an opportunity for him. And I feel like that might be the same situation where it's just like, let's see if you can make the most of that opportunity. Now we're going to talk about what the Florida Gators, what, what we need to see versus Eastern Washington. But first, a quick word from our sponsors. To wrap up today's show, we're, we're talking about what we need to see from the Florida Gators in this Eastern Washington game. I will also say, um, before I even say what I want to see, let me know in the comments what you'll be looking for in this game because I'm very interested to see how many, like what kind of evaluation process Gators fans are going to take. Because, you know, even if you're not covering a team, you're watching this game going, this is what I want to see. Whether it's you want to see more runs, more options, more RPO, more zone coverage, more man, whatever it is, you're going into that game going, this is what I want to see, especially against a team like Eastern Washington, where it's like you can kind of experiment with stuff. Um, so let me know what you're looking for. The biggest thing that I'm looking for on offense, vertical passing game. Uh, against Tennessee, Florida kind of opened it up a little bit with the the double sluggo was sick with Ricky Pearsall and uh, Justin Shorter. That was, that was a great play. I want to see that this kind of carryover. This is a great game for Anthony Richardson to build upon the confidence that he gained and earned in that Tennessee game. Because that, that's what we're looking for. We're looking for consistency. The Utah game, he was pretty dang good. Kentucky, he was horrible. South Florida, he was bad. Tennessee, he was great. Like Tennessee was the best game of his career so far, aside from the second half of LSU last year. But Tennessee was the best start of his career so far. Build upon it. Don't take your foot off the gas because it's Eastern Washington. Don't go, well, we could just run the ball, destroy them, and get out of here healthy. No, use this as an evaluation process. Let Anthony Richardson work the deep pass. He's a solid deep passer. He is. But we need to see him do it comfortably and consistently in games. I'm also not worried about the usual thing that we've complained about this year, which is like, well, in front of Florida Gators fans at home, he's kind of struggled because I'm expecting this game to be very empty in the stands. Um, like we're talking like 50% capacity is what I'm expecting to see here. If that um, people are dealing with real life things now where it's like, well, I'd rather be home watching the Florida game than, than traveling or I've got damage control to do at home. So I, I don't expect much of a crowd here. So we won't see the whole at home. Anthony Richardson has struggled with these big crowds, which is also weird because Utah, he, Utah was the most rocking crowd you're going to get. And he played a pretty good game. Again, not great. I said that immediately after the Utah game that it wasn't great, but it's pretty good. Um, but I, I, I want to see the vertical passing game open up. I want to see depth receivers get a shot here. I want to see Marcus Burke play. I want to see Trent Widmore actually get onto the field and play a bit. Dejon Reynolds, Jaquavian Frazier should be playing more. I don't care what you say. Um, I want to see these guys get open deep or at least be given the opportunity to get open deep. 
Defensive side of the ball, I think the biggest thing I'm looking for is winning those one-on-ones. I don't care if it's Eastern Washington. I don't care if it's Alabama. I don't care if you have me and four listeners lining up out there on the offensive line. The Florida Gators need to get pressure and win one-on-ones consistently. The Florida Gators need to win their one-on-ones. It's as simple as that. Like, I don't care about the talent. I don't care about any of this. I've been complaining about this for weeks now. The Florida Gators are getting into these one-on-one situations. That's the point of this scheme a lot of times, is to generate these one-on-one opportunities as a pass rusher. And they haven't been winning them. And also, I don't care about Jervon Dexter getting double teamed. He needs to do this. No, Chris McLellan could get off double teams. Jervon Dexter could get off double teams. That's my point. These guys are not winning the blocks where they should be. They're not being physical enough at the point of attack. They are not being active enough at the point of attack. When someone goes to put their hands on you, you hit their hands. You win that hand fight. Florida Gators haven't done that. Do it this week. Eastern Washington, Oregon had 19 pressures when they played Eastern Washington. The Florida Gators have to match or beat that. You need to win those one-on-ones. Justice Boone, I'm telling you, I think he's going to cook because he has been active and aggressive when he's been engaged with. He's going to cook. Desmond Watson should should win some of these just because he should overpower whoever he's matched up with, whether it's center or guard spots. Javon Dexter, you got to win him, especially against Eastern Washington. You have to win those double teams. You have to do it. Brenton Cox Jr. has to win those one-on-ones. I will give Brenton Cox Jr. He has been pretty good this year. It's a matter of actually finishing the plays. That's been the issue, but he has been pretty good at shedding these blocks and winning those blocks, but you have to win that. And trust me, Eastern Washington knows that Florida should win these one-on-one battles. When I had the head coach of Eastern Washington yesterday, Aaron Best was on Locked On Gators, and he said, the goal is to not give those guys a season-long highlight tape in one game when I asked about how do you game plan around Javon Dexter and Brenton Cox Jr. He was like, the goal is to not give them a season-long highlight tape in one play, in one game. You like They know you should destroy them. You have to win those one-on-ones. It is pitiful that they have not done that yet. Javon, line up on the line of scrimmage and win that one-on-one. Stop lining up two yards back. I don't understand it. Line up on the line of scrimmage and win that damn one-on-one. You got to do win the win the one-on-two. I don't care. Win your battle. And I swear, if I see a linebacker get stopped by a running back, I'll, I'm I'm gonna be incredibly furious because that's just something that should not be happening. And in any situation, again, these are running backs that are standing still. You have to put them down. And Eastern Washington, like Tennessee's running backs, are bad in pass protection. Win that battle and do it dominantly. Dominantly. And that's what you got to do. Just that's it. Florida should win this game handedly. You need to win your individual battles, the Gators. That's what you got to do. X-Ray Lock, the Gators, your first listen of the day every day. We're available daily and free wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll be back tomorrow. John Garcia will join me to talk Florida Gators recruiting, and that's going to be really fun. Check out Lockdown SEC, hosted by Chris Gordy of Sports 790. Get the best coverage on the best conference, including the best university, the University of Florida. For Lockdown Gators, I'm Brandon Olson. 
Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Uh, follow the Lockdown Gators Instagram and TikTok. We're doing that now. Get my written work with Whole Nine Sports and GiantsCountryFSI.com. Stay safe, and I will see you all tomorrow.